if you I had a whole sermon and then my computer erased it all and so I, I'm going to try to recall but maybe the Lord's doing something different um, I was preaching to my hermeneutics course on on Friday that you must always be prepared I was telling the session be prepared um, I love to be prepared and then God is God and he does what he wants but I will ask you if you will um, God's laid something on my heart that's continually been there and it's it's interesting I, I'm not a avid uh, with all due respect to to the to the women's group I, I don't naturally gravitate to the Psalms I know Simon does um, I know the, the women's group is studying it, but this week, for whatever reason, God has continually drawn me back to the Psalms. And the Psalms that he's drawn me to really are the, in what we would call in theology the imprecatory Psalms, the Psalms we don't want to pray, but that God wants us to pray at times. The ones that we like to avoid sometimes because we realize that if we pray those prayers, there's, there might, there might be, we might be asking God to do something that seems awkward to us, but in the context of war, in the context of invasion, in the context of trial and tribulation, whether that's in Ukraine, or whether that's in Hong Kong, or whether that's in South America, God takes His Word and He puts it into our hearts that we might pray back to Him His will. And in the context of Israel, there are times and seasons in which evil does rise up again and again and again. And I know, to be fair, I've studied World War II. My grandfather went through it. Um, I love that period of history. I never thought I would see it again. And to see Natalie explain that, I've, I never thought we would be in this position. Because as a globalized world, we kind of assumed that we would all somehow coexist. But the Bible teaches that evil still is ruling the world. There's a prince and a power of the air. There is an enemy of our souls, and there's an enemy of righteousness. Jesus spoke of this enemy. He gave us his Holy Spirit that we might combat this enemy, that we might seriously draw into his presence, that we might grow in the grace and the mercy and the power of God that we might have dunamis power, that dynamite power that's explosive, that changes the world for the good. Because God does, as Nick said, take all the evil and he turns it for good. But evil will prevail if we say nothing, if we pray nothing, if we shirk away from truth. We allow darkness to succeed. Why? Because men's deeds are evil and darkness exists. But God has called us light. And he said, I set you on a hill as a city of light. And he tells us continuously, do not put your lamp, what? Do not put a lampstand over your lamp or a basket over your lampstand. Why? Because it, what? Stops the light. We need to be a people of light. But we also need to be a people that discerns what is true and what is false. Now, most of us would understand that what we've seen on the television and BBC from 
political players like Lavrov or Putin, we've seen lies. And I think the world has come to the conclusion they have lied to you. They have lied to us. They've lied to the people of Ukraine. They've lied to the people of Poland. They've lied to the people of Belarus. They've lied to their own people. And this is why we see a generation of young people who are global in Russia needing our prayers. Why? Because they have a different perspective. They have a different heart. They didn't want this. They don't want this. But I want to draw your attention to a few things. Um, if you are following along by your Bibles and you brought your Bibles, I think that's important. I'm going to do a, a, a teaching. And I want to say this, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I feel weak today. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't sleep much last night. I, I laid next to Courtney, and every time that I woke up at between... 2.30 and 5.30 in the morning, I woke up and I would roll and I would sit there and, and I didn't want to get out of bed, but I would sit there and think about the streets I walked down in Ukraine, the cities that I was in. I had envisions of Andrievsky Street and Kreshatik that you see on the television, St. Michael's Cathedral in Kiev, the train station in Lvov, all of the memories and reminders kept flooding back in, and all I could do was pray, but I didn't even know what to say. So I'd just sit there looking at the ceiling, thinking, what do I do? But Romans 8.26 says this, for when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us because He knows what he wants to accomplish. And so in that, we come to the text and we begin to realize that uh, as we read the text, as we believe God for what he says in it, the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. He allows our prayers to be a bit more focused. You heard those prayers today. He, he gives us vision and wisdom on what we should pray for. At 8 o'clock in the morning this morning, there was a cacophony of prayer in the small hall with, I think, six men, and it was loud. Lord, you have to come through in the battle. You have to. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't God, I thank you so much for your love today. No, it was, Lord, you have to show up. As good children of the Father, you love to give good gifts. We are your children praying, petitioning, interceding for the sake of lives. We were asking angels to surround people, to surround armies, that we would hear miracle story after miracle story after miracle story of people who said we were surrounded and all of a sudden they were gone. Exactly what Stephen said. Psalm 46. I've had this song that I used to sing, and I, I actually sang it in Ukrainian when I was in the Carpathian Mountains at a camp. My daughter is telling me not to sing. <laughs> Don't do it, Dad. Don't do it. And I see, I, see a, I see a Ukrainian jersey over there. We're going to sing. But I, I sang this in Ukrainian, but I think it's an American song too. But it was a song that I learned early on in my walk with the Lord. And it was a song that actually really talked to me. For whatever reason, when we would sing this at church, I would get excited. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't just sit there like, I would get excited. 
Why? Because I understood what God wanted to accomplish in the world. He had saved my life and he wanted to save others. And it's this song. And maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. You could sing along if you want. I won't have the words for you, but you can go from memory. Um, and it, it goes like this. In heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. The power of darkness comes in like a flood. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of His blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses and hard, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. Come on! And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. This is church. Welcome to church. See, the thing about that is if we don't recognize the power and the glory of God in our lives and the, and the power that God wants to do, we, we're susceptible. We're susceptible to see evil as though it should triumph and when evil shouldn't triumph. We know that the battle belongs to the Lord. See, 2 Samuel, if you're following along in your Bible, 2 Samuel 15 gives us a complete example of how someone can actually step into a role of power and can take over. It's a very dangerous time. And you know, history always repeats itself in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 6, or Genesis chapter 4, very quickly after everything, we see that, um, we see that the first sin is this, Cain kills Abel. Why? Because the human heart is wicked and deceitful above all things who can know it. And, and in those moments of insatiable desire for power, and how many of you would, would realize that Hitler had an insatiable desire for power? Genghis Khan had an insatiable desire for power. Caesar Augustus had an insatiable desire for power. Do you see how this repeats over and over and over throughout history? And I would say this, that Putin has an insatiable desire for power. But how do you get that? What happens? Well, I'm going to break it down through Scripture, and I want to read this to you. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. If you've got your Bibles, it says this, that after this, Absalom, the son of David, and the context is Absalom has been away. 
And King David has had his place in Jerusalem, and he is there. And Absalom has, has seen a number of kind of things that he didn't really like about his father. He didn't like about the kingdom. He didn't like, and so he began to think, if I can take the kingdom from my father, then I can be the ruler. And we see Absalom reposition himself continuously. He doesn't call himself the president. And if you haven't noticed that Putin changed his name continuously but held the same power. And he put in a, a puppet man named Medvedev continuously in power, although he had no power. Putin was the mastermind. And then he decided, well, that, we've done that for long enough. I'm just going to go back to my original role because the world won't remember. See, when we look at something, we have to realize how this thing takes place. And I want to I draw your attention to 15.1, 2 Samuel 15.1. After this, Absalom brought a chariot of horses. He got 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. So he's, 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 going to, he's gone from his father, and he's, he's, he's heading out. He's heading back to Jerusalem. He's going to see his father. He's going to head back there. Why? Because his father has summoned him. He got up early in the morning, and every day it would say that he would go out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from. And they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, ah, oh, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. See, this starts with disgruntled person with a devious plan. It always starts with a disgruntled person with a devious plan. And the danger for us as Christians and Christian for us itself is that we don't become disgruntled people with a devious plan. We become the people of God that walk in righteousness, that seek the welfare and the benefit of all around us, not just ourselves. See, he's selfish. He's got a devious plan. He's starting to, to move in this direction. And he, he recognizes, you know, the plan can't just be about me. I've got to get some people on my side. So he begins to what? Schmooze them, we would say. Tell them what they want to hear. Scratch their ears. Tickle their ears, as it says in the New Testament. Tell them exactly what they want to, want to hear. Promise them promises. Promises, promises. Wasn't that a song once? I won't sing that one. Ellie's like, please don't, don't do it again, please. Then Absalom would say, you've got a strong case. It's too bad the king doesn't want to hear it. Let me sow a little discord. Let me sow a little discord. I've got to get people on my side, so I'm going to sow a little discord. I'm going to sow a little discord. The West, the West hates me. They hate us. They don't like us. Got to sow the discord. And as long as there's discord, there'll be an opportunity for an ear. See, you've got to get people on your side, verse 5 and verse 6. I wish I were the judge. There's the declaration. I wish I were the king. That's what he's saying. I wish I was the one who had the power 
And what does he do? He tells them, you could have brought your case to me, and I would give you justice. But there's always a danger of false justice. There's always a danger when a dictator rises up that they will determine the standard of justice. This is why it's important for us as Christians that we stand on the word of God. This is justice. God is justice. His words are truth. His words are justice. He teaches us. This is your roadmap to righteousness. You won't find it anywhere else. It won't be in what people say to you. It won't even be in my sermons. It will be in this. The word of God, which will last and stand forever. I honor my word, God says, above my, what? Name. Even above the name of Christ. He honors his word. Why? Because he's the one who gives it to us and leads us and guides us through it. It's pretty impressive. So when the people tried to bow before him, why? Because they're starting to see him as their new leader. Absalom wouldn't let them. No, 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 no I, don't, I can't do that. Instead, he took them by the hand and he kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. He is working behind the scenes to create a false reality. Have we seen that lately? The dangerous thing is he steals the hearts. That's what it says in the second half of the verse. He's wanted to steal the hearts of the people of Israel. If I can get them on my side, I can be the king. I can win the war. I can accomplish the task. I mean, very much so, the reason that we are not in this situation that we're in right now, I'm sorry, the reason we are in the situation we're in right now is because Ukraine truly wants to be a democratic country and has since 1991 and been working hard to get there. And it's not been easy. They've gone back and forth, back and forth. And every time Putin decides what they don't want or what they need, he shuts off the power. He shuts down the water supply. I know, I was there. I really wanted a hot shower while I was there. Guess what I didn't get in Ukraine when I was there? Hot water. See, leaders do what they can, or dictators do what they can to try to manipulate the situation and get the people on their side. After four years, Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. He's been working for four years on this project, Absalom. Four years. He's been schmoozing people for four years. See, takeover doesn't happen instantly, does it? You've got to have the plan and you've got to execute the plan. And that's exactly what has happened here. I want to go to Hebron to sacrifice a vow. Do you realize that you can't go to Hebron to sacrifice? It's not the place of sacrifice. Nowhere in Israel's history is it say to you, go to Hebron to sacrifice. So what he does is he manipulates his father. He doesn't want to go to Hebron to make a sacrifice or a vow. He wants to go there to recruit what? People. And we see that in the text. He manipulates his own father for the sake of something else. Let me go to Hebron and offer sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow I made to him. For a while your servant was in Gesher and Aram. I promised a sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron. 
if it would bring me back to Jerusalem, all right, the king told him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron, but while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up rebellion against the king. As soon as, the, as, soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned the king of Hebron. A dictator will always use people for his final outcome. He will always use them. And it will be done in secrecy. And Absalom is guilty here of manipulation and secrecy. Why? Because he has something plotted. And it's here that we see that the plan, literally, is to take the crown. See, Absalom knew that he had no right to the crown. He knew he had no right to that land. He wasn't the rightful king. He wasn't the rightful heir. And yet, he wanted it. The New Testament's really interesting because why do you, why, uh, James asked the question, why do you fight so much? Why do you rage? Why do you struggle in your heart? Isn't it because you want something and you can't, what? Have it. So you war inside of yourself. James takes it to the personal level. The reason we struggle is because we want something and we can't have it. The reason we're in a global struggle is because somebody wants something and they're not willing to give it up. That's why we're in this struggle. He took 200 men from Jerusalem, verse 11 with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. I found it very interesting when my mother sent me an article about the, the, little, the young men who actually had no idea that they were fighting a war from Russia. They thought that they were going on maneuvers in Ukraine. They had no idea, but they had been captured and they shared, we didn't know. We had no idea. And what did he do? He had changed their contract at the last minute to put them into war. He's thrown the conscripts up front. He's reserved the army for the second wave. We need to pray. See, they knew nothing of his intentions. These 200 people but we do know this, that while Absalom was there offering sacrifice, he sent Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lives in Gihon. Soon, many others joined Absalom, and the conspiracy gained momentum. Gained momentum. A messenger then arrived in Jerusalem, verse 13, said to David, all Israel has joined Absalom in conspiracy against you. Then we must flee at once, this is what David said, or we will too, be too late. We've got to get out of here. I shared with you that the thing that intrigued me the most uh, this past week, and the Lord's been leading back to these psalms, these psalms, and they're imprecatory psalms. That means that they're psalms in which you draw down on God's presence and you say, God, you must vindicate. And the irony is, we don't like to pray those prayers, but David bore Psalm 3 out of this moment. 
It was in this moment as he fled into the wilderness, away from his son, away from a man who was trying to usurp the kingdom from him, he realized this is what God has done. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 3. And if you want to know how to pray in these moments, David gives us a very unique picture of how we should pray. Or at least how he prayed to the Lord. And it might give us some insight into how we can pray. Psalm chapter 3. Are we there yet? Verse 1, O Lord, I have so many enemies. I have so many enemies. So many are against me. He acknowledges the situation at hand. We've got a real problem here. It's not a fake problem. It's not one that we should bypass. We have a real problem. I don't know about you, but do you understand we have a real problem in Europe? Am I, am I the only, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking this. I think the world has now thought this. We have a real problem. So many are saying God will never rescue him. So many. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord and He answered me from His holy mountain. The place where real sacrifice was to be made was on the threshing floor of Mount Moriah, which would one day become the place of the temple. That's where legitimate sacrifice and petition was to be made from, not from Hebron. You have heard me from my holy mountain. You have heard me. I lay down and sleep. Yet I woke in safety, for the Lord is watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Do we pray those prayers? Do we? Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes to you, O Lord God. May you bless your people. There comes a point in time in which we pray very hard prayers for the sake of God's glory. And it may sound harsh. It may feel harsh. I know I've caught myself a few times as I prayed and said, Lord, I need to look at my own life first. I have to look at me. Because God, um, I, was, I was raised in a time period and in a country that was anti-Soviet Union. I was raised in a time in which we watch television and we talk about it at my house with my father. And those discussions would always lead us back to the fact that somehow they were bad, and we were good. And I had to ask myself, Lord, that's not the way you see this. You see this differently. You see the Russian people in a wholly different light than I do. You love everyone, and yet you still hate wickedness. You still hate war. You still hate Lies. 
you still hate oppression. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So God, we pray for Spirit to come into those places. Spirit, come and illuminate me. How do I help with this? How do I change, Lord, so that when I look at this situation, I am different? Well, some of that is God opened a door for me to go to Ukraine and meet the people and see how beautiful they are and see how lovely they are. God has allowed me to meet you and see you and how beautiful you are. And God has allowed me to see the Poles and, and meet them. Come on, Polish. And, and, and love them. He's allowed me to meet Hong Kongers. Yes! He's allowed for us. And he's allowed for us to change. Why? Because we come before him and we say, Lord, change me first. Then change the world. Purify me. Let my mouth speak what is righteous, but also let me pray what you pray. And when we see a wave of soldiers coming against innocent people, we should pray against those soldiers. When we see bombs raining down on children, we should pray against that situation. When we see invasion from one country to another, no matter whether, whether it's in Europe or whether it's in Africa, we should pray for that situation. When we believe the lies, we find ourselves in war. And that war can be with you and me, and it can be in our own lives when we believe the lies. I want to um, say this in my closing, and we've read this, and I want to pray for us, and I want to say this, that my heart isn't content just to have a service here today. We've got to figure out ways to support our brothers and our sisters in these places. We have a huge refugee population that's moving throughout Europe, and we need to help them. We need to figure out ways to make sure that our brothers and our sisters in Ukraine are getting what they need. And that's going to be hard right now, but we have to do this because this is who we are. When one part of the body suffers, what? All of us suffer. So we need to do this, and we need to figure out ways. I, I will send out an email letting you know about Nick and Maya's ministry that's faithful. Um, did you want to share... Come on up here, real quick. Yes, hello, church. So I would like to update a little bit the information about the Polish-Ukrainian border. Uh, Poland has re uh, received approximately 150,000 Ukrainian refugees, mostly mothers with children. The border is opened now and uh, the approximately 3,000, uh, as far as I know, uh, U.S. troops uh, are on the, uh, at the moment on the uh, eastern border of Poland. So we are living like in a war state, <coughs> actually. And uh, the friends of mine need help, and we have a, an open heart in this critical moment 
critical moment to help them, uh, the friends of mine in the Kiev, Ukraine. There is a messianic church uh, led by the pastor uh, Boris Grisenko. And one lady, she is a Christian singer, Anita Gezo. I send a message. So uh, she asked for help, actually. And uh, we are going to just help them in practical way. And just sending them the money they need. So they need the support. If anybody would support them, the Messianic Church, Anita Gezo, the details for this donation will be transferred, will be given to uh, Pastor Jonathan, uh, Nathan, sorry. <laughs> New name. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to Pastor Nathan, so we can support them. We'll do it. Uh, as quick as possible, because they need desperate help. So we are ready, and we are. You know, our hearts are open to those people, and um, the, the prayer and the practical way to 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 help them, uh, to support their basic needs, desperate needs. Yes. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Thanks, Jacek. I want to pray, and then we'll do one final song. Um, yeah, if we could do that. And what I'd ask you to do is, if if you need prayer today, um, maybe God has touched your heart, and you say, "I, I, um, I need prayer." Um, we want to invite you to come forth, and I think it's wise. Why don't we do that during the final song, um, and then? Uh, yeah, so during the final song, if, if, if you need prayer for something, I want you to make your way up here. Um, and then while we're singing, uh, maybe different than we normally do, but if you need prayer for something, please come forward. If, if there's stuff going on in your life and you're thinking, gosh, I'm living in fear and I'm living in trial, I mean, I just, I'm fearful, I'm continually worrying, God doesn't want you to be in worry. He doesn't want you to live in fear. You, he wants to break those things off of you. So we want you to come forward and pray. If there's direction in your life that you need some direction, we want to pray over that as well. And so, Jessica, could I ask you to come up and pray as well for people? Um, Courtney, could I, could I ask you as well? Um, and so just make your way up and, um, and we'll do that. So I'll just have you come up here and pray if you need prayer right now. Um, so let's do that. Let's, yeah. There's somebody with, a, with an eye issue. Yeah. Sure, sure. So um, before, I don't know when, <laughs> sometime during the service, God's been speaking to me about somebody who's got an issue with the eye and the face, really painful down this side. So if that's you, I really believe that God is here to heal today. And it doesn't just have to be this issue, but there is, um, I believe, somebody who's got a problem. It's maybe intermittent. But um, he wants to heal you. <laughs> he wants to heal this, and he wants to heal the rest of us, our hearts and our bodies. So um, come forward and enjoy it. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's stand and worship. Uh, if you need prayer, come forward. And if there's anyone else who wants to pray specifically for people, please come forward. Please. Please.